we've put together a brand new sample of RAR Premium. So if you've been on the fence about joining us inside RAR Premium, you can get a free sample now to see if it's a good fit for your family. To get that free sample, go to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or just text the word RAR sample like it's all squished together in one word. <laughs> RAR sample to the number 33777. Okay, here's the show. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. What comes to mind for you when I say rereading? We hear a few things about rereading here at the Read Aloud Revival. Some parents are wondering whether they should let their kids reread as much as their kids want to. Others are wondering if a reread is as important or as useful as a first time through. Some of you never reread. You know, the problem of so many books and so little time. <laughs> I'm Sarah McKenzie, your host for the Read Aloud Revival podcast. And on today's show, I'm going to make an argument for rereading on the regular. I'll be completely upfront with you right now and tell you I'm going to spend the next few minutes trying to convince you that rereading is perhaps the best kind of reading. And I am unabashedly admitting right here <laughs> that I hope you finish out this episode and want to reread something right away. Whether that's your kids or your own reading, I want to make a case that readers reread for good reason and with good rewards. You ready for it? The show notes for this episode are at readaloudrevival.com slash 141. You'll also find this episode as an essay there if you'd like to pass it on to someone who isn't much of a podcast listener then you can send them right to the show notes and they can read the essay. That's at readaloudrevival.com slash 141. So first, consider how often do you rewatch your favorite movie or re-listen to a favorite album, a favorite song? Think for just a moment about why you might do that. I asked this question of how often do you rewatch your favorite movie on Facebook and I heard a lot of numbers with 10 times being one of the lower responses. And I could not believe how many people said over 100 times. <laughs> I mean, most of us have probably seen The Princess Bride a handful of times at least, right? I saw responses like 25 times, 50 times. Hope Morgan's was my favorite comment. She said, I'm not admitting this and you can't make me. <laughs> the thing is, nobody even thought it was a weird question. I mean, we expect to revisit our favorite stories again and again. Or do we? So what's the deal with revisiting our favorite stories, rewatching movies, listening to a favorite album again? Indeed, rereading books over and over. Well, there's more here than meets the eye, and we're digging into it right here and right now. Let's do this. point out five main benefits or rewards for rereading. Things that you really only get by rereading instead of reading something just one time through. The first thing I want to point out is that many of us, and I'm raising my hand here, we want books to become some of our children's lifelong companions. 
You know, I want my kids to see the Laura Ingalls Wilder books or the Chronicles of Narnia or S.D. Smith's Green Ember books on a bookshelf or at Target or at a supermarket or a used bookshop in 20 years and feel like they're bumping into old friends. I want them to remember who they are, remember where they came from when they see the book, those book covers. You know, relationships and friendships, that takes time, right? I mean, you wouldn't have a single conversation with someone in a coffee shop, say, and then feel like they were one of your friends or your life companions. You wouldn't say you have a relationship with them because relationships take time. Relationships with books and with book characters take time as well. Marie Starling on Facebook, when I asked about rereading, she said, I reread because some books are my old friends and I enjoy their company. A lot of people liked that comment and that really resonated with me as well. If we want books to become our children's lifelong companions, something they bump into later down the road and remember who they are and whose they are and where they came from, then rereading books is how to do that because you need to spend some time with those characters and those stories in order for them to become those lifelong companions a lot of us are hoping books will indeed become for our kids. A recent study found that children are more likely to retain knowledge of new vocabulary if they're exposed to words through repeatedly reading the same book than if they're encountering those new words in different books. Let me say that one more time, just so in case you didn't catch it. This study found that kids are going to be able to retain their vocabulary, both knowledge and new vocabulary. Two really important things our kids get academically speaking from books are new knowledge, right? They learn things. And then better vocabulary, which is a huge indicator of intelligence. So this study shows that kids are more likely to retain knowledge and retain that new vocabulary if they're exposed to the words through repeated reading of the same book. That's more effective than when they encounter words in new stories. This is really good news for all of you who have young kids who ask you to read the same book over and over and over again. They're actually getting more from those rereads as far as knowledge and vocabulary. They're benefiting more from rereading the same book you've read 20 times before than they would be if you read them a new story. Kind of amazing, right? So if we're hoping for our kids to retain knowledge and get better vocabulary through reading, then rereading Favorite books is a fantastic way to do that, particularly from picture books, which have the most beautiful language of all of children's literature. You're going to find the best, most beautiful language in a picture book uh, rather than in a novel. And so rereading picture books over and over, your kids are getting so much when it comes to knowledge and vocabulary from those rereads. They're in fact gaining that knowledge, solidifying it and that vocabulary. They're solidifying those much better on the fifth, 10th, 12th reread than they are the first time you read it through. Let's also talk about reading comprehension. Specifically, let's talk about fluency. So when we talk about fluency, what we really mean is how accurately can your child read a text with the correct expression and understand what he or she is reading? Okay, that's what we mean when we say fluency. Can your child read the words, understand what they're reading, and read it to themselves in a way that makes sense with the proper expression? This is probably obvious, but the more times you read through a picture book, the better you get at reading aloud that picture book, right? You know this is true. If you've read a picture book, that same picture book your kids want you to read all the time, the more you've read it, the better you get at it because you know what's coming. You know who says which piece of dialogue because you've read it you know, several times, you know where to slow down, you know where to speed up, you know where to pause. It's familiar territory. It's like walking a well-worn path instead of blazing a new trail with a machete and having to try to like clear the path as you go, right? The same is true when our kids are reading for themselves. Let's say your child wants to reread Charlotte's Web over and over and over again, okay? 
they're going to read it with, even if they're just reading it silently, you know, they're just reading it with their eyes silently to themselves. They're picking up on fluency. They're gaining comprehension. They're getting better at the expression, the way the language sits, the way it works, how it hangs together, the more often they read it. Just the same way as you get better at reading a picture book, the more times that you've read it aloud. we read through a book, most of us are reading for plot. Most of us, our brains want to know the answer to the question, what happens next? If we're reading a story for the first time, we can't really help it. It's how we're wired. Our brains are asking the question, what happens next? That question means we're reading for plot. Now on the second, third, or 30th reading of a book, our brain is now free to ask other deeper, more layered questions. We know what happens next. Instead, we're catching beautiful turns of phrase. We're seeing a hint of foreshadowing. We're noticing these subtle nuances that are only gifted to rereaders. They're questions that can't be answered when we're reading for the plot, when our most pressing question is what next. They're questions that arise and things that we notice because we're not reading for the plot. So the first time through, most of us are reading for, through for a plot, whether that's a picture book, a novel, whether it's our, we're reading aloud to our kids, or whether we're staying up late reading that latest page turner that we can't put down ourselves, we're reading for the plot. And so we're going to miss some of those other more deeper layers the first time through. That's fine, because we're not expected to get those the first time through. The first time through, we're reading for plot. I'll tell you, I have read some of Gary Schmidt's books several times, and recently I was rereading my way through OK For Now, which is one of my all-time favorite books in the universe. OK For Now, if you haven't read it, put it on your list. I've read it to my teenagers. I usually recommend it for ages 12 and up, and I read it myself because it's, I mean, one of my all-time favorites. Anyway, as I was rereading it, I noticed this last time, a single line about Joe DiMaggio early in the book that I skimmed right by on my first actually, maybe two or three read-throughs. I missed that line. On this third time, I caught it. I caught these the deeper shades of meaning that I could only pick up on because I've read the book all the way through before. That little morsel is a gift from the author to the rereaders. You only get it if you're rereading the story. So if you pick one of your favorite novels, let's say, as an adult, let's even say just one of your favorite books that you've read as an adult, or maybe one of your favorite books that you read as a child, and you reread it, I bet because you're not reading to answer the question, what happens next, you're going to catch things you missed the first time around. There are layers. A lot of voices might tell you that you need to learn how to get better at homeschooling, but I know something about you. You don't actually need to homeschool better. You need to homeschool happier, to have more fun, to smile more, laugh more. You want a twinkle in your eye. <laughs> and you want your kids to know deep in their bones that you love homeschooling them. That twinkle is worth pursuing too, because the key to a successful homeschool is a peaceful, happy mother. And that's what we're committed to helping you become at RAR Premium. RAR Premium is a unique program that offers mentoring for you, the homeschool mom, and we offer Open and Go Family Book Club. This is a family book club you can use with all ages from 4 to 17, and it will explore language arts, reading, and we often dip into writing, science, history, all across the curriculum as we uncover so many good and meaningful ideas. 
the best news is we do all the prep work for you. If you'd like to get a free sample of RAR Premium so you can see if it's a good fit for your family, head to readaloudrevival.com slash sample, or you can just text RAR sample, one word, to the number 33777 and we'll send it your way. Now back to the show. The other thing is, not only is the book layered, so you'll catch those meanings, but you're a different person than the first time you read it. You never read the same book twice. We're different people every time we come to a book. And that has a massive impact on how the book reaches us, what it says to us, you know, what we take from it, the conversations we have around it. That's why we can read Little Women, let's say, as a 13-year-old girl, and then read it as a 35-year-old woman, and it feels new and fresh to us, right? As a 13-year-old girl, we probably weren't identifying much with Marmy, right? It was all Joe all the time. At least that was my experience of reading it. As a grown woman, I still identify with Joe. I mean, we all do, right? But I have a different kind of respect and attention to Marmy when I read. It's a whole other layer I'm picking up on because I'm different now. I'm a mother now. And so I'm reading it from a different lens. Even if I read that book as a mother of two very small children, and now as a mother of six with teenagers in the mix, I'm going to read it differently. I'm a different person. So we come to the book with different experiences. This is true for other kinds of reading as well. As years pass, we go through life, right? We experience things. We, we lose people we love. We do things we didn't think we were capable of. We face things. We laugh. We cry. We just have this whole slew of life experiences, and we bring those experiences into our reading every time we open the covers of a book. So we are new every time we read. And because of that, it's going to be a different reading experience. I read, uh, reread the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis most every year. And so I've read it, I don't know how many times now. <laughs> it's a different experience every time because I have a whole nother year of life and good things happened in that year and hard things happened in that year. And because of that, the text doesn't necessarily change but I've changed. And then I'm, I can access different layers of the text because of where I am as a person. The same thing is true for your kids. In The Pleasures of Reading in an Age of Distraction, Alan Jacobs writes, A first encounter with a worthwhile book is never a complete encounter, and we're usually in error to make it a final one. I'm going to reread that. It's so good. A first encounter with a worthwhile book is never a complete encounter, and we are usually in error to make it a final one. I think if we go in with the expectation that we don't have to get everything, in fact, we can't get everything on the first read-through, it does a few things for us. It lets us be free to just enjoy that first encounter for what it is. <laughs> it lets us take you know, enjoyment out of asking that question, answering that question of what comes next, what happens next without feeling like we're worried that we're missing deeper shades of meaning. We are missing deeper shades of meaning, but we're not supposed to be able to get to them yet. We have to pass through that path. Just think of it like that well-worn well path versus the trail you're blazing, right? The first time you tra you're, you're blazing the trail, it's going to be a different experience than when you're walking it as a well-worn path. Knowing that going into the reading experience with that expectation can free us to enjoy the book and to have a realistic expectation for what the book should do in our lives after we've read it. Now, don't just take my word for rereading, why rereading is valuable. 
C.S. Lewis himself, in a letter to Arthur Greaves, wrote, I can't imagine a man really enjoying a book and reading it only once. Jonathan Augier, who's written some of my very favorite middle grade and YA novels for kids, um, including Sweep, which is among my very, very favorites, he told me in an interview that he read and reread Through the Looking Glass, which is the second Alice in Wonderland book by Lewis Carroll. As a child, for years, I think he said for about 10 years, he would read parts of that book and live by his bed and he would reread Through the Looking Glass, parts of it every single night. It's like he couldn't fall asleep until he had read parts of it again. And he, he even said, I don't know why he doesn't, he can't pinpoint exactly what it was about that book that was so important to him, but something was really important there. And in his book, Sophie Choir and the Last Story Guard, uh, there's it's, it's something of an homage paid to that book and the, the importance through the looking glass paid in his life as a writer. Kate DiCamillo, who you know, of course, because she's won many Newbery Awards and Newbery Honors. She wrote Because of Winn-Dixie, The Tale of Despero, The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane, all of the Mercy Watson books. She reads Charlotte's Web pretty much every year over and over again as an adult. And she finds something new there or another layer or a turn of phrase that speaks to her differently every single year. And I recently read that Robert Frost, the poet who wrote Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening, he had several children and he wanted his children to reread books. In fact, he told them to reread books on purpose over and over again, the books that they loved. He said, if you love it, you should reread it again, which goes right back to that idea from C.S. Lewis that he can't imagine somebody really enjoying a book and reading it only once. Rereading gives us lifelong companions in the books we've reread. It gives us better retention in our kids. It gives our kids better retention of both knowledge and vocabulary. It increases their reading comprehension and their fluency. And then it gives us a whole different relationship with this story than just plot. Are you convinced yet? <laughs> if you have kids who are compulsive rereaders, I hope this episode has opened a window on the idea that such a thing is a gift, something to be nurtured, something to be encouraged. It is a tremendous benefit to us to reread the books that touch us and that move us in some way. Here's my challenge to you. Reread something this month. Pick something you've read before and something you've enjoyed. Let's make this easy on ourselves. Just pick something you've enjoyed and reread it on purpose. Now, there aren't any rules here. You don't have to pick a classic. Just pick something you loved before and reread it. See what happens. Don't think of it as not counting or as a kind of reading, but not really reading or not as good as reading something fresh. I hope this episode has helped you see that rereading is actually a more sophisticated, layered, deep and meaningful kind of reading. It actually is a it's a more mature kind of reading, in fact, than reading something for the first time. Every once in a while, I'll mention to someone that I'm rereading from a book, not rereading the whole thing start to start to, you know, front to back, but just rereading a portion, a chapter, a section, a half or something. And a friend will say to me, I didn't realize I was allowed to do that. But of course you are. You know, you can reread just the story of Christmas morning from Little House. You can reread your favorite chapter, your favorite scene, your favorite any part at all. Now, and if you're someone who logs your reading and thinks, yeah, but how am I going to track that? Because I track all my reading. <laughs> I get that. I do understand that. Just use an icon. I'll tell you, I keep track of my reading in my bullet journal, and I use a little curved arrow to note when I'm rereading something I've read before. There's a lot of curved arrows in my bullet journal. I'll tell you that. And I use a circle with an arrow through it to note that I'm reading from, but not through a book. So if I am rereading, for example, before this episode, I reread The Pleasures of Reading in an Age of Distraction, and 
Actually, I read the whole thing front to back again (laughs) because I love that book. But if I was just reading the portion on rereading, I would add it to my bullet journal, but I would use that circle with an arrow through it just just because I'd want to personally note that I didn't reread the the book the entire way through, but just a portion of it. Of course, that's not true in this case because I did reread it (laughs) the entire way through. And I took like seven pages of notes and I have read that book several times before. So there we go. Different, deeper shades, more meaningful experience. You know, it's important for us to remember, I think, that just because something is a novelty doesn't make it more meaningful or worth our time than something that's tried and true. We know this is true, right? Novelty isn't more meaningful than something tried and true just because it's new. We know that in our relationships. We know that in so many pieces of our life. And so it's important that we don't let that idea that novelty is more important or better or superior to something tried and true like wiggle its way into our reading life. The truth is that reading something for the first time is a wonderful experience. It's a different kind of reading than you get when you read for the second, third, or 40th time through. But I would encourage you to let your children reread if they love it. Encourage them to reread and you reread something that you love this month just for fun. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. My name is James, and I am six years old. I live in Connecticut. My favorite book right now is Charlotte's Web, because Charlotte, the spider, saves Wilbur's life, the pig in the case of death, being eaten for bacon, and she teaches him all about being alive and a friend. Hi, Kayla. My feet are alone, and I live in Connecticut. My favorite book is Rapunzel by Paul Ozerinsky, all because she escapes from her tower. My name is Clay, and I am five years old, and... I live in Ohio, and my favorite book is Magic Tree House because it just makes me want to read more and more, and I like it. What's your name? Symphony, and I flee. And where do you live? In Ohio. What's your favorite book? Strangonona has the pasta pot came out of it. And what other book do you like? Ring and Ting has, I like the cupcakes grow. <laughs> Hi, my name is Lily Philpott and I am seven. I live in North Georgia. One of my favorite books are Too Many Pumpkins, Linda White. I like the part when Pumpkin tumbles off the truck. An enormous pumpkin tumbled off the truck and smashed into smither, slimy orange smithereens all over the edge of her yard. Hi, this, my name is Brea and I live in Colorado and I'm seven and my favorite books are Mercy Watson, Princess in Black, and Paddington. And I like Paddington because he's a very nice bear. 
And I like Mercy Watson because she always ha- likes buttered toast. I like I like Princess in Black because she's very brave. Hi, my name is Briley. I'm nine years old, and I live in Colorado. And my favorite books are The Penderwicks, The Mysterious Benedict Society, and The Princess Academy. I like The Princess Academy because it's an interesting story, and I can't wait to read the rest of them. And I like The Mysterious Benedict Society because I like adventure and mystery books, and I like Penderwicks because it's just everyday life, but you can't seem to put it down. Hello, my name is Trump, and I live in and I'm three, and I live in Alabama. And I, my favorite book is Vince Steam Bears and Tito Treaty. I like it because Mr. Dave is me. Let's say he's me and gives the cubs beautiful candy apples, even Barbara and Sister Bear. My name is Lucy. I am 10 years old. I live in Alabama. I like the Limoncello series. My favorite is the All-Star Breakout Game. I like it because Kyle and his friends are trying to beat the teams called All-Stars and Bookworms. Do they win? You have to read it to find out. Is it fun? Hello, it's Limoncello. Hello, my name is Olive and I am seven. I live in Alabama and my favorite book is Stretching. Mission Double Trouble. It is about identical twins, Catwoman and Cassie, who can see the future. They are about to turn 12. Their visions promise lots of fun in a big fiasco. Can Cassie and Caitlin make things better before time runs out? Hi, my name is Kate. I live in Alabama and I am seven years old. My favorite book is Intuition Double Dare because they meet their grandmother for the first time and they are going to find their dad in, at the end of the book. Thank you so very much, kids. Appreciate it. The show notes for this episode are at readaloudrevival.com slash 141. That's also where you'll find the complete essay that goes along with it. And hey, if you have a few minutes, we would love it if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a little rating or review that helps us get the show in front of more parents who want to make meaningful and lasting connections with their kids through books and can find the podcast that way. So head to iTunes and it takes about two minutes to leave a review. We really appreciate it if you have time to do that. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. But until then, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Oh, and reread something. Are you still here? Okay, well, I am too. And I wanted to check to see if you've had a chance to download the samples from RAR Premium yet. RAR Premium is committed to helping you become the peaceful, happy mom you're called to be so that your kids know deep in their bones that you just love homeschooling them and also so that they can become lifelong voracious readers. Get a free sample of RAR Premium by going to readaloudrevival.com slash sample or by texting the word RAR sample, like it's one word, all squished together, (laughs) to the number 33777.